BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And welcome. I'm Dr. Gina, and this is Primetime. Well, it's official. Joe Biden is an agent of the Chinese Communist Party. It's true. And if you don't believe me, there's real evidence to support this claim. His family has become very wealthy with dirty Chinese money. He's also an agent of the Russian government. His family has become rich from Russian oligarchs. How do we know this? We have Hunter's laptop and we have a whistleblower not an anonymous source. We have Tony Babaluski, who came forward to say he was brought into the dirty Biden international business deals with foreign countries who are not our friends. We also have the reporting at justthenews.com that links the Biden family to all sorts of corrupt international business deals. And there's another way to know all of this is true. Just check out what the left is accusing Trump of on any given day, and you will know what they are usually up to. They accuse Trump of being an agent of the Russian government for years, and they still repeat the lie to this day, even though we know that the ones who work with the Russians are the DNC and the Bidens. And the left is also accusing Trump of trying to overturn the election. But what actually happened? The election was overturned by them. It was done on election night. The vote counting was stopped. And in at least one location, we have surveillance footage of suitcases full of ballots being brought out in the dead of night and run through the counting machines. They accuse Trump and his supporters of threatening our democracy when that is precisely what they are actually doing. As the left becomes more and more unable to win elections, the lies have to get bigger and bigger. And the fraud has to get bigger and bigger, too. The Democrat Party can no longer win national elections, so they've resorted to stealing them. Have you seen the county-by-county county electoral map? Their insane policy positions of high taxes, open borders, defunding the police, picking your own gender, and all of the rest of the crazy, un-American socialist ideas are causing voters to run the other direction, away from the Democrats. Take a look at the 2020 election results on a local level. When you look county by county, you see that President Trump won a majority of the vote in 2,500 counties. You see that Biden won 509. Now that's a whopping 16.9% of the nation's counties. Don't believe the lies that there is some kind of huge groundswell of Trump hatred or of Biden support in America. It's not true. They needed suitcases of fraudulent ballots and machines swapping votes to make up for all the voters who have left the Democrat Party. It's being uncovered. Be patient. Stay strong. I'm going to talk more of this coming up, up a little bit later with Hogan Gidley. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. But right now, let's go around America to our hosts and correspondents on the ground where all of the action is happening. First, we start in Denver with Jessica Rivera. Jessica, what do you have for us this evening? Well, Dr. Gina, Director of National Intelligence, John Ratcliffe, says there was foreign interference in this year's 2020 presidential election, and a report will be out in January. Take a listen. 
What did Ratcliffe say about election fraud and interference? Well, DNI Radcliffe leads the 17 intelligence agencies, and he has access to the most highly classified information that is held by the U.S. government. And he told CBS News that there was foreign election interference by China, Iran, and Russia in November of this year, and he is anticipating a public report on those findings in January. And back on September 12, 2018, President Trump signed an executive order that allows very serious sanctions against people who interfere in any U.S. election, including any countries or companies, both foreign and domestic. In the executive order, the Director of National Intelligence, along with help from the FBI and CIA, have 45 days after an election to report to the president on whether there were foreign interference, uh, if it was found or not. This year's election report was set to be due out tomorrow, Friday, December 18th, but will now come out next month. If interference is discovered after two in-depth reports on methods of interference used, along with people involved, sponsors, and extent of interference, the executive order gives the U.S. government the power to take any and all U.S. possessions of those involved, like their properties, monies, accounts, etc. They will be seized, blocked, become non-transferable, non-payable, or withdrawn, and will become the property of the United States government without any notice. Radcliffe says next month, the first classified report will be delivered to President Trump. The report will obviously be classified, but a couple weeks later, there will be an unclassified version of the report made public for the American people to see the evidence for themselves. And Dr. Gina, I would also like to mention, this is currently one of the national emergencies that the U.S. has been under since September of 2018, which I don't think a lot of people know. And if anyone would like to read the executive order themselves, uh, they can go straight to the White House. Gov. That's their website, and it's available for anybody to read. It's interesting that CBS's Catherine Herridge, who, of course, used to be with Fox News, um, reported that. I wonder how much CBS, how many other reporters reported that news as well. And I also wonder if any of the other Alphabet Soup news reported that. Um, it's very interesting. I, of course, you did, Jessica. But have you heard that reported anyplace else? No, absolutely. Um, actually, Catherine Herridge, which... Um, you, we, we know she's a great investigative reporter. She's the only one that reported it, but I'm pretty sure she's not the only one that got the information. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Thank you so much, Jessica. We appreciate you being here tonight. Of course. Now let's head over to Washington, D.C. to Carrie Sheffield. Carrie, what do you have for us tonight? Hey, Gene, I want to give you an update on the abortion issue. I know it's an important one for you and what we can expect with this new Congress, uh, this new possible Biden administration. So first, on Capitol Hill, there was a debate about the Hyde Amendment. So the Hyde Amendment bans public money, taxpayer money used to be funding abortion. Uh, there's been a dispute in Congress about this. And Joe Biden has changed his tune because for decades he supported a public ban on money for taxpayer money to be used for abortion. And during the primary, he walked that back because he was being pressured by the far left. So we'll see whether or not in Congress uh, they're able to repeal this. Um, and what's interesting is that the arguments from both sides is that the left says that the Hyde Amendment is racist because it stops minority women from getting abortion. And pro-life activists, including African-American and Hispanic pro-life activists, they say actually it's racist to keep trying to push abortion on minority communities. So this will be something we'll keep watching. I also want 
want to mention Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard. Now, she has surprised a lot of people for two bills that she introduced. First is to protect abortion survivors. So this is for babies. There are hundreds of them who have survived abortion. Uh, and you would think this would already be in law to protect them, but uh, this would add um, additional safeguards to make sure that those babies are protected. She also introduced a bill on pain-capable preborn children to give them protections. This is around five months, uh, and we'll see if this bill goes anywhere, both of them. We will keep an eye on it. And back to you, Dr. Gina. Wow. Not very much like a Democrat. Thank you so much, Carrie. Now let's head out to Real America's Voice West Coast correspondent, Amanda Head, for an update on the effort to recall Governor Gavin Newsom. Amanda, how does the recall effort look right now? It is picking up steam. This is the latest of numerous efforts to recall Governor Gavin Newsom. This latest effort has about 800,000 signatures. They need to secure 1.5 million signatures in order for it to appear on the ballot. Um, I want to run down some of the history of California with respect to recall. Since 1913, Californians have tried to recall 165 state elected leaders. Of those 165, 54 were for governor. Now, of the 154 attempts, nine made it to the ballot and five were successful, the most recent of which was the gubernatorial recall of Gray Davis in 2003 that made it to the ballot and he was uh, ultimately recalled. Now, here's a fun fact. Daryl Issa, who you all know as the congressman from California way back in 2003, led that effort to recall Gray Davis. He pumped $2 million into the campaign to have him removed from office, reportedly because he was planning a gubernatorial run for his own, but obviously we don't know if that was ever true because he has not run for governor. So my thing is, Californians, how about we choose wisely the first time instead of making a poor choice, having buyer's remorse, and then having to remove them from office? It would be a lot easier if we were just wiser in our choices for these offices. What exactly does it take, Amanda, to actually recall the governor, and how far away is California from uh, getting to that uh, next mark, I guess we'd say? So, legally speaking, 1.5 million votes uh, or signatures on these petitions. Now, there are thousands of people across California who are circulating these petitions, collecting signatures. They are at about 800,000, so they are over halfway there. And like I said, this is picking up steam. This is not dying down at all. And, you know, word from Sacramento is that Gavin Newsom actually is starting to get a little worried. Now, I know you were asking legally and procedurally what it takes to have someone removed from office. Um, Practically speaking, I just don't know what it's going to take to get Gavin Newsom removed from office. With all of his shenanigans, all of his scandals, the most recent of which at the French Laundry, if this is unsuccessful, truly, Gina, I don't know what it takes. All right. Well, Amanda, we always appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much. And uh, we just wish you, you all the best. I can't even imagine. You know, it has been so difficult for me to Christmas shop this year. I can't even fathom uh, not just the people whose restaurants and livelihoods are shut down, um, but e even just accessing stores is, is really difficult this time. If you do have uh, a little spare change yeah. to do your Christmas shopping for those you love, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's almost impossible to even find places to go. Uh, or, or if you want to have a company party, how do you even do it in a place like California? 
California. I, I just I feel so bad for for so many states right now, and and I happen to be in the freest state I think there is, and I'm still struggling with everything, and so I, I just can't even imagine. But uh, thank you so much for that update. Thank you, Gina. All right, and uh, up next, I am going to ask the Trump campaign's national press secretary, Hogan Gidley, what's coming at us next and where the battle to stop the steal stands today. That's next, right here on Dr. Gina Primetime, so you're going to want to stick around for that. Stay with us. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. If you'd like to subscribe to the podcast that happens to have the same name of this show, you can go to justthenews.com slash podcasts and you can find it there, Dr. Gina Primetime. We've watched for years as President Trump was accused of being an agent of the Russian government with literally zero evidence to support that claim. <laughs> and we saw fake news story after fake news story about how Trump and Putin colluded to rig the U.S. elections. But now we have real news about real Chinese spies with Democrat congressman and real news about the Biden family's dirty deals all over the world, but it's not newsworthy to the fake news media. How about that? Someone who's been dealing with the fake news media for years is the national press secretary for the Trump campaign, Hogan Gidley, and he joins us now. Hogan, welcome to the show, first of all. Good to have you with us tonight. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Thanks so much for having me. Hogan, Democrat Congressman Eric Swalwell has been doing who knows exactly what for years with a Chinese spy and spent the last four years accusing President Trump of being an agent of the Russian government. You had to put up with these lies, answering all these bizarre questions that came from absolutely nowhere for years while you were in the White House and then with the campaign. But it's, it's just the ultimate irony now that it, it really took one to know one, like playground politics, wasn't it, Hogan? The whole time he was doing the accusing, he was the one who was actually doing the dirty deeds. That's the way to put it, because remember, Democrats always accuse Republicans of doing things they themselves are actually guilty of doing. For example, we heard for years about Russia, Russia, Russia. It was Hillary Clinton who used a Russian dossier with uh, British spy uh, information inside of it. Talk about collusion. Uh, Democrats said that Donald Trump was trying to uh, move the date of the election. It was Democrats who sued in, in dozens of states to change the election day to allow votes to come in uh, after, after that Tuesday. It was, it was uh, Democrats uh, time and time again who said this president was inciting violence. It was Maxine Waters who went out and said, listen, um, 
Get in their faces if you see somebody from the Trump administration. Don't let them eat. Tell them they're not welcome here. Eric Holder said, when they go low, we kick them. It was uh, Kamala Harris who said, these riots and these things, these are going to happen, and they're going to continue to happen, never calling for them to stop. Joe Biden never called out BLM by name. He never called out Antifa by name. He never called out the defund the police movement by name because they were all of his supporters. And Eric Swalwell, the best of them all, went on network after network and lied and said he had direct information. He saw the intelligence and knew that Donald Trump was colluding with Russia. He was an agent of Russia, physically working on behalf of the Russian government. And instead of the collective sigh from the mainstream media and from Democrats like Swalwell, who, when they found out, there was no collusion, there was no corruption, instead of saying, thank you, I'm so glad that an American president wasn't working with a foreign power to affect our elections, they doubled down on it and continued to make those claims time and time again. The hypocrisy of someone like Eric Swalwell, who lied for three, four years, and now is the very one caught up in a whole situation with a Chinese spy, is exactly why Republicans are so angry and exactly why someone like Donald Trump won in 2016, and we believe uh, is ahead in 2020 as well. Hogan, it seems like some have started to wake up to the corrupt fake news media. Thank, thanks anyway to President Trump and folks like you who've been carrying that battle. Uh, do you think people were fooled by the fake news, though? Do you think that the polls would still suggest that uh, they believe the lies of the left since the media never did really make it clear that basically Trump was completely exonerated in everything that he was accused of throughout his entire uh, campaign and presidency? Well, so often, I think the American people, you know, they, they, they take little hors d'oeuvres of the media, if you will. They don't read the whole story. They read the headlines. They read a tweet, and they think they know everything that's going on out there, and the media knows this. So what they do is they put out that false information. They put out fake information, sometimes on purpose, sometimes because it's their own narrative and they don't even see the bias that they're putting out there. But there's a reason a vast majority of the American people don't like the media. I mean, it, its popularity sits somewhere between smallpox and the plague. And they also don't trust the media either. Uh, and it's pretty obvious because you see stories like this time and time again that come out that turn out not to be true. And when we knew all the stuff we knew about Hunter Biden, months ago, by the way, being under investigation, criminal investigation by the FBI, the, the Biden family for money laundering, the media refused to cover that at all. Now, all of a sudden, it's, it's like they found Jesus. They're talking about the story, still not doing it a lot, mind you. A lot of the networks still don't cover it. But they're starting to recognize the fact that what we were pushing for, for weeks, that this was corroborated, verified, and it wasn't shady background sources as the media likes to use against this president, uh, and they make those up half the time. It was someone on the record who worked with the Biden family. Tony Bobulinski came out, spoke on camera, on the record, and said, Joe Biden was lying to the American people. He was part of these business deals. He knew about them. They had text messages. They had emails. They had the laptop. And they still refused to cover it and acted like it wasn't a scandal at all, and then made fun of and mocked Republicans for even pointing out and questioning the fact that Joe Biden had been lying 
for years about this situation. So I, I think the American people, under that barrage, I think sometimes they can take those little nuggets that the media put out there and start to believe them. But but it, it, it's 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 nonstop. The drumbeat is constant, and so it's a little frustrating, I think, to to realize now that so much of what they've been saying for the last four years were complete and total lies, and Donald Trump was right. Hogan, the fake news media and all the rhinos out there are telling President Trump and his supporters that they should just move on, that he should concede. Uh, the president doesn't look like he's going anywhere fast, and I know his supporters certainly aren't giving up. So, Hogan, what does the fight look like as of now? It seems like it kind of changes day by day, but as from, from your perspective right now, what does it look like? Well, I think uh, your viewers and your listeners will be happy to know that uh, I was with the president yesterday in the Oval Office. He wants to fight. Uh, he's looking at all types of different evidence out there. We understand the abnormalities, the illegalities, um, the anomalies, uh, all of the things that really uh, you know, went to make this election um, so questionable, the fraud that was out there. I mean, I think we realize now what's wrong with all the polling. People didn't really sample the, the dead. And dead people voted all over this country. They didn't realize it was such a big constituency, quite frankly. I think they should have gone to some cemeteries and actually polled some of the residents there. I think that makes a whole lot of sense. But, but the fact is, um, it's inexcusable and it's inescapable at this point. The media have now seen the video. We've seen the voting rolls. They don't match up. The signature matches weren't done in, in many states, which is in violation of, of state law. 42,000 people in Nevada voted twice. We know this now, and the media continues to ignore it. Remember, they've shifted their story a little bit, too. First, it was, there is no fraud. That's a lie. Then we show them the fraud, and they say, well, it's not enough fraud to overturn the election. Let's be clear about something. How much fraud is okay? Zero is yeah. the answer. But look at some of the votes that were cast illegally, like in Pennsylvania, for example. Talk about, is it enough? Two and a half million votes were cast in Pennsylvania in the mail without signature matching. That's illegal in Pennsylvania. Those should be thrown out. Half of the country followed the U.S. Constitution, and several states, surprisingly controlled by Democrats, did not. And so I think that's what we're looking to, to, to fight on, the, on those grounds from here until January 6th, and then we'll see what happens. But it's a fair question to ask how come the, the Trump team is not winning more of the legal cases. Well, look, I think Rand Paul pointed this out really well in the hearings just yesterday or day before, you know, how they all run together in this business. Uh, but Rand Paul mm -hmm. made the point, all of these things were thrown out, not on the merits. They were thrown out from a procedural standpoint. So come back to the court. I mean, they're giving you the blueprint. Come back and show us some of this evidence. And so as we start to see more and more evidence um, actually materialize and those things hopefully can get in front of a judge that's willing to, to follow the law. And look, I, I've heard a lot of conservatives say, but what, what judge out there has the guts to overturn? What, what judge out there has the guts to make this happen? This isn't about guts. It's about the law. If the law says one thing, that one thing has to be followed. Judges don't make law. They have to say, this is what the law says, so we're going to abide by that law. And a lot of these states just didn't. And that's what I think the legal team's focused on from now uh, until the 6th. 
Hogan, this country is really a conservative, a center-right country, I like to say. And people really came out to support this president. If you take a look really at the 2020 election results, county by county, you see that President Trump won a majority of the vote in 2,500 counties. Biden only won 509 of those. Hogan, are we supposed yeah. to believe that a guy who won such a small geographic part of America actually won a record number of votes? And this is comparing Biden, by the way, with Obama right. and that enthusiasm gap. I mean, I think when you hold that Democrat candidate, Joe Biden, up to Obama, and then you compare the popularity of Donald Trump among Republicans with any other Republican uh, of my lifetime, uh, there's just something here that doesn't add up just to the common sense street smart voter, right? Right. And I think you, you, you hit on something, too, about, about Joe Biden. There's a reason he probably won a lot of the dead vote out there because he's half dead himself. And there's no way that this guy was able to secure more votes than Barack Obama. And we believe he didn't do more than the president either. I mean, look, we know this thing was rigged from the get-go. Uh, the way that states tried to use that universal, unsolicited mail-in ballot system that's you know rife with the potential for fraud and abuse. A, a, a position paper on that very method decades ago pointed that out, that it would be a serious problem in this country. And we saw it. Um, we, we saw um, all of the illegalities, as I mentioned before. We saw the anomalies, um, and they continue to shed light on a system that needs to be legitimate, that the American people need to have confidence in. I mean, win, lose, or draw, you need to know that these elections are conducted in a manner that you can have faith in. And, and right now, that's just not the case. And so we feel as though shedding light on this is important. Donald Trump has fought for the American people in the headwinds of big tech, big companies, big media for the last four years, and, and now they expect him not to fight for the last several weeks? Give me a break. This guy's going to do everything he can to make sure that every vote in this country um, that was cast legally was counted and that the American people can once again have faith in a system that right now is tough, is tough to have faith in. One of the things I really grapple with, Hogan, uh, you know, is if we allow this election to be stolen, I don't know how you ask anyone to vote again. I don't know how you motivate people. I don't know how you get people to run for office. Uh, recruiting people will be difficult. Getting people to volunteer. I always try to preface that, you know, as, as president of RAV here, it's important for me to delineate that we have news programs and we have opinion programs. This is an opinion right. program. But I worked hard on this campaign. I raised money for this president like I've never raised mm -hmm. in my life. My family and I took time to knock on doors. We did all of this as volunteers. Um, but I don't know how you turn around then and get people motivated um, and, and, and tell them that it won't be stolen from them the next time. Heck, I don't even know how you tell people in Georgia <laughs> to go out and vote um, in, in, as important as this race is. When suitcases of ballots were rolled in and truckloads of ballots were driven across right. state lines, Hogan, and countless other illegal and irregular things happened. So how do we ask people to do it again in the ne next election? How do we make sure future elections are actually secure? What are the safeguards we can implement to make sure that we can ask people to do this all over again? 
Well, look, I think you're one of the experts at owning the libs, Gina. And let's be honest, you can't own the libs by giving over two Senate seats in Georgia to allow Democrats to have the U.S. Senate. Um, that's just a blank check for all the crazy, radical socialist policies Joe Biden wants to implement. And the American people, the folks in Georgia, need to understand that we know the system's flawed. We just watched it. But we have to come out in overwhelmingly high numbers to show that this country um, has a, a majority of the American people that are willing to defend her at all costs. We know what Chuck Schumer said. If you give us Georgia, we'll change America. Mike Pence was in Georgia this afternoon, gave a credible speech, and one of the things he said was, you, you, you give us Georgia, you protect Georgia, and we'll protect America. That's the fundamental difference between the two sides and between the two parties. Um, you, you, let, you let the legal team, you let Donald Trump worry about trying to make sure these elections actually have integrity and, and honesty again. And in the meantime, let's get those folks out in Georgia because there's too much at stake to try and, and um, you know, somehow in a, in a weird 3D chess move, allow Democrats to get those two seats back. That just can't happen, uh, not for the future of this country, if we want to have any future at all. Hogan Gidley, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks, Gina. Coming up, mm -hmm, coming up, I have finally found something that I agree with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez about. So you're not going to want to miss this. Stick around. More Dr. Gina Primetime coming at you right after this. Back in a moment. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. And welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Now, you're not going to believe it, but I actually agree with AOC on something. The headline from our partners at Just the News says this. Ocasio-Cortez agrees it's time to bounce Schumer and Pelosi out of their powerful posts. Here to discuss somebody who agrees with AOC and me, Anna Paulina Luna. Anna Paulina, AOC says it's time for Pelosi and Schumer to go. And I think this is the first time that I've ever agreed with her on anything, but I don't think it's time. I don't think it's actually for the same reasons. I want them to go because I want Trump supporters to be in leadership but she wants socialists in leadership. What about you? I mean, it's really obvious that she's going to make a bigger move here. I do think that she eventually wants to turn the U.S. Congress into her collective uh, utopi utopian society of America. That's not going to happen. So it's interesting that she makes these calls for it, but when you actually hear about her popularity really in Congress, and I think in the rest of the nation, people just think that she is too far radical. So I don't think that it's going to be realistic for her to expect that for her agenda at least, not anytime soon. Maybe for us in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a new poll from justthenews.com and Scott Rasmussen found that 62% of Americans think that the state and federal government will hold on to the powers they've grabbed onto during the China virus health crisis, which is very scary. And 32% say mm, they're not worried about that at all. But Anna Paulina, I can't think of any power that the government has ever given up on after grabbing onto it. And this definitely concerns me. Do you think places like New York and California are going to ever be the same 
Cuomo and Newsom, I mean, I just don't see them giving up the power they've grabbed onto. And I think back to, you know, 9-11. And remember how we were told that as soon as this passed, you know, we wouldn't, ha we wouldn't be patted down by the TSA and we wouldn't have our things gone through every time we went through. And that's really only gotten worse, right? So do you see the masks going away or the shutdowns going away? Do you, what do you visualize for our future? You know, that's something that's really concerning because obviously we see that the people that can financially afford to leave those states like California and New York are actually coming down to Florida because we have policies that are effective and aren't killing small business. But, you know, at the end of the day, these people really did use COVID-19 for a power grab. They ultimately are putting policies in effect, which make no sense because, to be honest with you, COVID-19 is not just uh, – possible of being contracted from the hours of eight to five. And after that, you know, if you're stuck at home or you're on curfew, you're not going to get it. It's just not, it makes no sense. So for me, I do uh, wonder eventually, when are the people going to say enough is enough and really say, you know, we're not going to um, any longer vote for these people if they're going to treat us like socialism or like they do in China. And frankly, I think that it's something that the United States is really not wanting is their test drive, uh, test trial, excuse me, in socialism. And adding to the list of hypocrites out there like Cuomo and Newsom, the latest is the Rhode Island governor. Not sure if you heard about this, but she was busted being out at a wine and art event. And the governor there had just told everyone, you stay home. But that's good enough for the people of Rhode Island, apparently not good enough for her. She wanted to go out and have a little sip of wine and be among friends and do a little artwork. Anna Paulina, the hypocrisy is just mind-blowing. I cannot believe that people, leaders, think they can get away with this, but they are getting away with it. I mean, you know, conservatives complain, but you're not seeing any massive rise up. You see the recall of Newsom in California, but you're not seeing any real massive rise up, especially among the media ranks on the left. Yeah, of course. I think right now what they're doing is they're just trying to protect their own. We know that their rules are only effective um, if they're for the people, but not for themselves, right? And I think that's really what's really concerning about that. And what's really sad is that you have so many businesses that are just completely getting crushed by these policies. And then these people choose to do this. So I am glad that we're in the era of digital media, that we have phones and technology, because half of the time that we're catching these people is from those uh, citizen journalists and whistleblowers that catch them out and about, take photos and send them in. And I hope that people continue to do that because we need to hold these people accountable, especially if they're pushing these crazy policies and these crazy laws. And Anna Paulina, you ran, of course, for Congress um, here in Florida. And I guess I love it when people step up to run, but I guess I'm concerned that um, people won't have that kind of courage anymore if they don't believe that elections are free and if they don't believe that elections are fair. How do you convince them? How are we going to convince people that it's worth putting your name on the line. I've run for office. I've been through many elections with my own husband. I've run many campaigns. It's not an easy thing putting yourself out there. You know this. Um, how are we going to recruit candidates and find people brave enough to run and put their families through that ringer um, if they don't even know that it can't be stolen from them if they win fair and square? I mean, it's really going to start with, I think, those that are in office currently assuring the American people and taking their job seriously and actually looking into and auditing their own local systems to ensure that there is no fraudulent votes happening, right? We do know that it's happened, um, but I just saw this actually in Georgia. I was on the campaign over there, campaign trail there. Um, 
campaigning on behalf of Senator Leffler and Purdue. And there's so many people that are worried about going to the polls and voting in even the Georgia runoff in January. And we need those people to vote. And so what I tell the American people is, is that if you are worried about it, if you think that your vote's not going to count, then get involved. You can always be a poll observer. You can always run for supervisor elections to ensure that your district is being delivered and that your votes are being counted accurately. When we get complacent, that's when you really have these issues arise. And that's when you have people think that they get into these positions of power because no one's there to challenge them. And I always tell you, don't be afraid. You know, half the battle is getting over that phobia that you're going to be destroyed. You won't be. This is life. I'm sure we've all faced a lot harder things than people lying about us on the internet and in the news. And um, ultimately, we have a backbone. We believe in fighting for this country. So it's our service as American citizens, I think, to go forward and continue to fight the good fight. You know, if everybody's so worried about COVID, the thing I don't understand is why we just don't have cameras from every angle watching every ballot cast and every, you know, every ballot put anywhere. There should just be cameras everywhere so you can see the shenanigans. I don't understand why, why that wasn't done in November. I don't understand why it's not being done in Georgia. I think that's what we're going to have to demand going forward if everybody's going to all of a sudden decide there's another crisis and another excuse why they have to, you know, change everything at 3 a.m. I don't know. That's just my thought. But anyway, Anna Paulina, we sure do appreciate you being here with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, coming up, patriots have gathered to preserve liberty in bars and restaurants, but what if the government shuts them all down? How will liberty survive? I have some thoughts on this, and I think you're going to like them, so stay where you are. We'll be right back. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. And now it's time for doctor's orders. For years, human behaviors like me have noted that there's something communicated when human beings are in physical contact with one another that simply isn't communicated when human beings attempt to communicate on the telephone or in a video stream or even by letter. Different forms of communication result in different levels of communication taking place. There is a reason why the revolutionaries in our history gathered in churches, met in homes, and in bars and restaurants. They met face to face where they could have a drink together, relax and mentally separate from the stress at hand. They wanted to visualize something in a creative way that was a new birth of liberty. I remember when we were creating the birth of the Tea Party. I am actually one of the founders of the Tea Party and we met in pubs with legendary minds like Jim Hoft, Andrew Breitbart, and Bill Hennessy, and many others who I'm still friends with today who've made a huge difference in our republic. You might not realize it, but I would venture to say that without those meetings in those pubs and places we couldn't meet, to, that we couldn't meet today, there would have been no Tea Party, I would say there would have been no MAGA movement and there would be no Trump presidency. And I really believe that. We would have fallen into tyranny, I believe, long ago. Those little meetings in churches and restaurants and pubs created the revolution that I believe gave birth to the MAGA movement that ultimately became what I again believe is the pres best presidency in history that I think saved our country from Obama's socialism. 
Therefore, it makes complete sense to me that those who wanted to rip that revolution from us capitalized on a contrived crisis of COVID with a better than 99% survival rate. Not to, not to in any way say that COVID isn't serious. I had it. It's serious. But I'm saying the survival rate. Um, they used it to close down our restaurants, our pubs, our gathering places and keep us out of each other's homes, to keep us out of churches and restaurants where we could go to meet in person and communicate our visions for continuation of that revolution. This, my friends, is nothing less than tyranny. This is nothing less than a direct assault on our ability to continue our revolution. This is nothing less than an affront to our freedom. We need to treat it as such. We need to stand against tyranny in all forms, and we need to stand together. In the Alphabet Soup media, every single night we see parades of poor restaurateurs who can't celebrate Christmas this year because their restaurants are closed, and it's devastating, all true. Yet none of the Alphabet Soup media are telling the story about the loss of liberty taking place that is much more insidious and devastating to absolutely everyone. They're keeping that secret because they don't want the rest of the country to understand that it's not just the restaurant and bar owners, it's you, it's all of us. Only the elite are, are unaffected by the lie being told on our airwaves every night about what is really happening. The wealthy and the powerful, see, they believe they'll never be affected by what, what they think they're hiding, even though that is largely untrue. Tyranny benefits ultimately very, very few. The real weight of it all will fall on the heads of those who believe they are immune and they think they can rest on their money. They've always, they've always been like that. They, they are the ultimate ones who will be crushed by the very tyranny they once supported. The lesson learned will be the hardest, but you know now as I speak these words what history has taught you about what is actually at risk. I think Samuel Adams said it best. He said, if you love wealth better than liberty, the tranquility of servitude better than the animating contest of freedom, go home from us in peace. We ask not your counsels or your arms. Crouch down and lick the hands which feed you. May your chains set lightly upon you. And may posterity forget that you were our countrymen. I've had that posted inside my kitchen cabinet for years and years, so my children will read it every time they pull out a glass to get a drink. My children will attest to this. This isn't about bars and restaurants and churches being closed during a pandemic. This isn't about wearing masks or taking vaccines. This is about them ending a revolution that started in bars and restaurants and churches and them disabling the very place where they knew it could continue. Take back your places of meeting face-to-face and take them back now. And that is your doctor's orders for tonight. Joining me now is somebody who I met in pubs and restaurants at the birth of the Tea Party movement, Bill Hennessy. Great to see you. Bill, would the Tea Party have existed if we had been birthed in New York right now? Pro well, maybe, but I wouldn't have been there because I'd be in a bar somewhere. But um, <laughs> no, it would be very... It would be very tough, you know, and, and your everything that you just said is absolutely uh, right. You know, the American Revolution didn't happen in a over a span of a few years in the 18th century. It, it's it's been an ongoing revolution against the entire history of uh, humanity, because we've never really had a, a, a country 
that had this degree of self-governance, where the people are uh, responsible not only for their own lives, but also for forming and maintaining the community, choosing their leaders, uh, rejecting leaders who they, they find appalling, uh, and, and bringing in new, new um, folks. That line from the Declaration of Independence that it's our right and our duty to uh, disband government when it becomes um, uh, counterproductive to, to the ends of liberty is something that we actually exercise over and over again in small ways every time we have a free and fair election where only the valid votes are counted. Uh, so that revolution has been going on, and you're absolutely right. When you take away the the primary means of communicating the news opinions of the day, which is the social gathering spots, especially uh, pubs and taverns and, and uh, churches, church socials, and people's homes. When you take that ability to have that, that social intercourse away, you take away the ability to form uh, kind of a community agreement on what's the direction that we need to take our, our uh, country, our city, our neighborhood, our homeowners association, whatever level it, it might be, and it takes okay. away the ability to, to govern ourselves. Bill, what is the difference about, because you study this stuff all the time. Um, you've written extensively on this. You've written books. You've written papers. Um, what is the difference, which is ironic because you really were one of the most instrumental. I always call you my general. You really were so instrumental in the founding of the Tea Party. You're not one of these people that takes credit. But you worked closely with Andrew Breitbart, Jim Hoft, and others um, who, who really were one of the primary founders of the Tea Party movement. Um, what is the difference? about being able to gather in a home as opposed to the Zoom call. What happens to us psychologically? Oh, tons. Well, let's let's take uh, start with the senses, right? Um, we're animals, and we get a lot of information about scent, about subtle little physical. You can't see my hands now, right? But we know that that if someone's hands are, my hands are open and up right now, so they're, that my palms are facing me, um, that, that's a sign that, that uh, the person you're talking to is open and honest, right? Their hands are on the table. You can see them. They're not hiding anything. Uh, clenched fists tell you something else. You can't see if, I, if my hands are clenched or not. We get sense from smell. We, believe it or not, the brain picks up on uh, little pheromones and, and hormones that mm -hmm. influence the way we smell in ways that we can't describe. We don't consciously, we aren't consciously aware of them, but they tell us when someone is friendly, um, dangerous, threatening, lying, truthful, all of those things you, you cannot possibly get in, in this. You also don't know the environment. Um, you, and you tend to speak only to people who are from your social group, your um, social class, et cetera. One of the great things about the American Revolution and the American pub was that it was a complete mixing pot of, you know, as, as one author who wrote a book, an excellent book on uh, the, the political influence of, of pubs and, and bars and restaurants called um, uh, America Walked Into a Bar. Um, she pointed out that in a bar, you could be sitting there with your boss, your boss's boss, the owner of the company that you work for. That's never happened anywhere in the world. In Europe, um, 
the classes stuck to themselves. They didn't intermingle socially with each other. In America, that's what we do, right? We we get a different group of, uh, of opinions. We can be exposed, right? If we're having a, a Tea Party conversation at McGurk's, we're we're doing that in earshot of people who might not agree with us. Now that could cause problems. It never did. What it might have caused is a very interesting conversation with somebody that doesn't agree with us or didn't agree yeah. with us when they walked through the door. That doesn't happen. And I, and on I a Zoom remember call times. I remember times numerous. where we would turn around and end up in a debate and a conversation and, and, and having a civil discourse where we actually did deserve. You know, well, one other interesting thing was that I was talking to a friend of mine who's a plastic surgeon, and he said his business is booming more than ever because on Zoom calls, everyone looks at themselves the whole time. They're not looking yeah. into the eyes of the person who they're actually talking to. They're looking at themselves, which I thought was fascinating. Bill, I only have 30 seconds left, but I need you, need you to answer this question do we survive what we're going through right now absolutely we survive everything come on we're we, we've been through worse and and we'll, we'll get through this one way or the other you know we've we've all read the bible we know who the good guys win in the end so um we may go through some tough times but we'll, we'll weather the storm eat right work all out right. stay strong we'll do it all right Bill, my general, thank you so much for being with me tonight. Tonight, I appreciate you. And thank, thank you, you for joining us. And thanks to everyone here at your new home for real news, the uncensored and undaunted Real America's Voice. Live from Studio 6, be up next with Damon and the crew. Hug your children, love your God. You go boldly now and live the truth.